Hello and welcome to this week's BossCast. I'm Andrew Teacher, now Managing Director at Montford Communications, previously founder of Blackstock Consulting. Today we're talking about science innovation, about clusters, about growth, about public and private partnerships, and about Brookfield's recently launched platform, Arc Group, which aims to combine all of the above to help some of the world's smartest people solve some of civilization's biggest challenges. Now, to discuss energy tech, life sciences, space tech, quantum computing, and many other things, I'm joined by Stuart Grant, who's CEO at Art Group and co-founder at Core Life Investors. He's also CEO at Harwell Campus. I'm also joined by Dr. Barbara Ganelli, who's Director of Innovation Clusters for UKRI and STFC and a Senior Scientific Advisor to Art Group. Thank you both for coming in today. Fantastic to see you. Stuart Grant, we'll start with you. Now, you've enjoyed a long and illustrious career at the top of the real estate world, much of it with Blackstone, and you came to Harwell in 2020 after setting up Core Life, which had a broad vision for building a platform to develop and operate innovation campuses. Now, that was a vision shared by Brookfield that's included not just the acquisition of a 50% stake in Harwell, but the £714 million acquisition of Arlington, back in June of 2021. So a lot's happened inside two years and you're only just getting started. Yeah, thanks, Andrew. It's great to be here and great to engage with your listeners. Yeah, my career is probably somewhat colourful. Geographically, I lived in Asia a lot. I studied in America, worked for Blackstone for 18 years, spent a couple of years at Stanhope. And uh, a few years ago, two and a half years ago, decided to set up a real estate business focused on creating science and innovation clusters, initially in the UK, with a focus to expand into Europe, along with my partner, Graham Stanley, who is a former founder of Moorfield. And the passion I had for this sector came about from my Blackstone days, where several years ago, my partners in America bought a company called Biomed. It was about an $8 billion deal. And I saw from afar the success of that transaction. Biomed is one of the leading organizations in North America that focuses on innovation and science real estate with assets mainly next to leading hospitals and universities in America and with a presence in the UK. So yeah, so I- It was a listed company you took private, wasn't it? Yeah, it was public to private. And then it obviously performed extremely well. And then Blackstone, after I'd left, recapped the business at I think I'd almost double that value. So I appreciated my colleagues in America, their thought process. It was like, how do we expect some of our investor capital into what was perceived as a, and still is a mega trend. So obviously aging demographics, mm. advances in medical science, interesting real estate that effectively was probably undervalued at the time in 2015, 2016. Yeah. It was trading at like a six or seven cap, whereas regular offices were trading at kind of in the fours with strong tenant interest and tenant expansion. So when you're a real estate investor, you want to expose your capital to expanding sectors. And we, at the time of Blackstone, saw that the life science sector as being a long-term growth sector where organizations were expanding, hiring people, taking on more real estate, and their thesis played out. So in my simple way, I kind of came back to the UK from Asia, and I thought, hey, we could build a business over here that is a kind of mini version of Biomed and Alexandria. So we did it. We set it up two and a half years ago, and I got a call from a bunch of investors. One of them was Brookfield, and they said, hey, we're thinking along the same lines as you. We're in the process of buying Harwell, the UK's leading science and innovation campus. So that's really how the story started. Exciting stuff. So Dr. Barbara Ginelli, your background is somewhat different. Tell us about how your journey from Italy originally has taken you on a bit of a tour of different English cities, but you've got some amazing experience in different areas of science and technology. You've got a PhD in artificial intelligence, and you're now working with some amazing clusters 
involving some of the smartest people on the planet, literally. Yeah, so my journey, as you said, started when I decided to come and study in the UK, electronic engineering in York in the north. And then after that, I decided to do a PhD in artificial intelligence applied to synthetic aperture radar imagery from space. And that's where really my career started, because then I started to work in Airbus, defense and security now. And then I went from there into SDSC, the Science and Technology Facilities Council, to help them commercialize our campuses, both in Howell and in the Northwest, in the Dasbury campus. Mm. So did you grow up with an interest in space and science, <laughs> or, or was this something that came to you whilst being based in York? Uh, no, no, that started much earlier on. I've always loved maths. Maths has always been like a game and I loved it. So it was a very pragmatic decision when I came to decide what to do in life. It was either medicine or engineering. And I opted for engineering because I loved physics as well and the applications of it. And so engineering, I thought, would give me a great platform for doing that. But then in my journey, I realized uh, how much I loved other things like artificial intelligence and, you know, the future in that, which is proven to be amazing for benefits in society and many applications. And that's how I then started to do my PhD. Oh, wow. So just for anyone that doesn't really understand what it is, can you explain the UKRI, the Science and Technology Facilities Council? So this is a public body that's sponsored by Bayes, the Department for Business, Enterprise, Investment Skills. Tell us about how that functions alongside arc alongside harbour what does it actually so, do very briefly about ukri is the largest funding body for science and technology in the uk of about eight billion pounds per annum ukri includes nine organizations the seven research councils of which the science and technology facilities council is one of them innovate uk and research england so it does support interdisciplinary research across a number of areas. SDFC specifically is very much focused on uh, particle physics and really discovering the mysteries of the universe. Mm. And in order to do that, we have to develop technologies that really support the addressing challenges, global challenges. Yeah. But part of our responsibilities is also running uh, two science and innovation campuses, one in Howell and one in Dasbury. So talking about Howell, that's our link to ARC and to Brookfield. Both campuses actually are run by a joint venture, but the joint venture within Howell includes SDSC and uh, the UK Atomic Energy Authority as the public sector partners. And then 50% is Brookfield Asset Management, that is the private sector partner. Mm. And that's our link into mm. ARC as well. And so your job essentially is, is being that link between the science and the funding that's going to make that science happen and part of that solution is creating the real estate that's going to house that innovation. Absolutely. So when I joined SDSC a decade ago now, the big challenge was how do we actually make the big science, hmm. the £2 billion investment at the time, into this large... It? Yeah, how do you commercialise it? How do you make it relevant to UK PLC and really push the growth of this country? Hmm. And the way that we did it was through our innovation clusters, which is really basically fundamental 
fundamentally a collaborative approach between industry, academia and public sector organizations, working in a different way together, accessing facilities, accessing network of investors, and really having a link into the international base, which is, you know, provided by the international facilities as well. Mm. And Stuart Grant, that link to international capital and those links within the UK to the UK government to some of the leading not just the leading scientists in the country but some of the leading scientists on the planet that's essentially the anchor tenant here right yeah it completely is I think we've learned a lot since we got involved so I think day one going into a joint venture with government any government organization would leave a private investor a bit nervous you think my goodness we might argue we might have different philosophies mm. different speed of execution but the opposite is true at Harwell we have a joint venture with the government with STFC and UK AEA most of our interaction is actually with STFC with Barbara and her cluster managers and the unique cool approach that we have not just the Harwell story and the access to national laboratories, but we can target organizations trying to bring them to Harwell. And we'll turn up to the meeting with our real estate experts, but we'll also bring Barbara and her scientific experts to the meeting as well. So typically the people we're meeting are space companies or leading life science companies or clean tech companies or quantum computing companies. Mm -hmm. They're very clever scientists. And that matters not just because they're very clever scientists, but because the spaces that they require, the real estate they require is often hugely specific yeah, to correct. that discipline. Yeah, every requirement is different and you need to dig deep into their specific requirements with scientific knowledge to convince them to come to Harwell to move into our building. So we build regular office buildings, we'll build advanced manufacturing facilities, research facilities, we'll build it speculatively, but also we'll do bespoke facilities for organizations as well. But I think it's a killer app. I think having Barbara and her team in our business development efforts is extremely powerful. Mm. But I've seen I can say the same for you, really, because having you, Stuart, and your team working alongside our team it really adds a huge value because it's that joint long-term vision that we can project to our companies that want to collaborate with us. So they come to the campus, they access the science, the knowledge base that we've got, yes, but mm. they also access a campus that can provide accommodation in the long term and help them grow through their journey from a really tiny little startup to a company like Astroscale that recently opened their office in uh, Harwell, mm. their new facilities. So they've grown from a couple of people to 120. And yeah, and that's crucial, isn't it, Stuart Grant, yeah. to stop companies. I mean, let's take Vertex, a great example of amazing British talent mm -hmm. that they went out, they listed on the NASDAQ, they're now largely headquartered in the States, and they could have probably occupied a bit more space here. Yeah, that is a trend that is obviously we don't love to see that talent leave these shores and go overseas, but then they sometimes come back and expand over here. Um, but at the same time, that story will create a headline, but there's plenty of organizations that don't go overseas. They stay here yeah, and they thrive. And we meet those companies all the time. We host them at Harwell, Nanopore, Vaxitech are just two good examples. And Agilent that. is another great example yeah. of retaining the talent in mm. this country because they acquired the company that was spun out by SDSC, Cobalt. What and, do they do? Just explain what they do for anyone that has They basically use the laser technologies to understand the composition of liquids in bottles or in containers anyway. So when security, you go through the airport, airport yeah, security, security yeah. yeah, applications. 
very simply. Oh, that's amazing. And but I'm just going back to Barbara's point yeah. earlier about the day one experience when we got involved with STFC and UK AEA. Brookfield are one of the biggest real estate investors in the world. And we bring immediate real estate expertise in development and asset management and leasing and marketing. So we changed the whole approach. We doubled the size of the team. We completely refreshed the branding of the organization. And when we talk to organizations to bring them to Harwell, we also have one of the biggest real estate investors behind us so we have money and we have a commitment to speculatively develop but, and, and, and that but, makes but, a but big difference. But crucially Stuart Grant mm -hmm. you're able to act quickly and, and yeah. that mm -hmm. speed to market right now in life sciences and technology and science innovation whatever badge we apply to this broad and often very fluid excuse the pun sector speed to market is critical isn't it? Yeah we have a clear business plan that basically involves fast speculative development. We review every all the time just to make sure we're not making any foolish mistakes. But we feel we have commitment around the sector. If you came to our leasing meetings, tenant demand remains really strong. Mm. On the demand side, healthy. On the supply side, it's very tight. There's a low vacancy. Obviously, construction costs going up and access to debt markets is tough for some people. We don't actually have that problem. And our land basis is sensibly priced, so we can still develop to an attractive yield on cost that gives us mm. conviction to build more. So, And in terms of the broader narrative here, so you acquired Arlington last year from TPG. Talk us through that transaction. And where does that fit into your vision for ARC to become yeah. a leading platform? Yeah, so Harwell was never going to be our only transaction. It was a day one transaction. A fantastic seed asset, though. I mean, great. <laughs> it was a great... If you were going to... No, I mean, it, was, it was fantastic. In, to in, get in, the, in your career, have you ever had a... No, this was the launch pad. For us to have the privilege to partner with great partners and own a stake in the UK's leading science and technology campus was a privilege. And uh, Clever Brookfield bought it during COVID as well. So mm. they had conviction in the investment. But that was always the plan was to see if we could do more. We looked around and then Arlington came up and Arlington is obviously a very well recognized real estate owner and developer. TPG were selling in the summer of last year and uh, we went through the, it was a big transaction, 700 million pounds. So not many people can do that scale of transaction. Brookfield can. We went through their lineup of assets and several of their assets were fitting our strategy. Innovation clusters, Oxford Business Park, Uxbridge Business Park, a site in Hammersmith next to the River Cafe on the river, and then a 400-acre site, Greenbelt, next to Hatfield Business Park between London and Cambridge. Yeah. So those were the four jewels. We said, let's keep those, and then all the others will sell non-core. So they had small things in Aberdeen and Gloucester, et cetera. And we merged the two management teams together, and we were in the process of selling off the non-core assets. And then we rebranded, with the name Arlington went, and we rebranded advanced research clusters in the summer, shortened to ARC, and that's happened in the first kind of, effectively in the first 12 months of ownership. Mm. And Barbara, in terms of how you create economies of scale within those clusters, are you foreseeing the opportunity then to take someone that might be a specialist in space tech, for argument's sake, at Harwell? And, and is there then the potential to use some of that talent and squeeze some of the innovation into other areas. Is that how you're foreseeing some of these links playing out? Into other sectors, you mean? Yeah. Into other sectors, yeah. into other locations. Into and, and other locations. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All of that. Because space, I mean, let, let's talk about space for a second. I mean, it doesn't get enough. I think the problem with some of the super smart scientists in this country is they're far too humble. And actually, UK space is such a brilliant and fervent sector that it doesn't get the credit it deserves, does it? 
Probably not. Uh, we're getting better at that. And I think the most important step is to make sure that people realize our space is important to their everyday lives. So space has been part of a, give us, a give national us three infrastructure. Give us, give, us, give us three reasons why someone listening to this should think a bit more positively about the role that space tech plays, other than just their maps in their car. <laughs> yeah, that is one of the applications, but also weather forecast. A lot of the information comes from space. People don't realize that. Even in terms of planning for agriculture applications, mm. that comes also from space, how you apply fertilizers, how do you monitor the use of those fertilizers on a global scale. Maritime applications as well, you know, monitoring maritime traffic and I don't know I could give you lots and lots yeah, of we could do a whole um, podcast on it couldn't we yeah absolutely but, but the security the, the security yeah, the absolutely yeah. the, the, well the defense meeting yes but defense you know there is much more of a link between civil and defense at the moment absolutely. so it's about the security of our country and obviously that's very topical at the moment so people should really mm. be aware that space is playing a huge role in that but is your collective vision with ARC to have a nationwide or a Europe-wide cluster of different sites within the platform so you can... Yeah. Our vision is quite clear to build a network of innovation clusters initially in the UK and then into Europe over time. So we have a team looking at opportunities in Europe yeah. right now. And yeah, we want to be Europe's largest network of innovation clusters. And promoting cross-collaboration between the clusters, organizing symposiums or conferences at Harwell or in Paris or in Spain, where our members within our networks can attend different conferences, they can network with different organizations. Yeah. And the other thing that we see at Harwell, because it's really the leading example, is there's a lot of cross-collaboration between the scientific clusters. So the space folks will often be working with the life science folks, the energy tech folks, vice versa. Well, so again, yeah. an example of that would be the European Space Agency is at Harwell, and they have funded, with others, the creation of an autonomous vehicle system using 5G technology. So it's a joint venture with Telefonica, and it's called Darwin. And we now at Harwell have one of the first autonomous vehicles driving around Harwell. Well, as long as it doesn't drive around Farringdon, because the 5G signal really, really dips out when you yeah, get around Hassegard. Okay. It's okay at Harwell. But yeah, this thing drives around. <laughs> it's got no driver. And it's using 5G technology. So it's a full experiment. But I think that's another example of the energy tech world collaborating with the space world. Yeah, and other companies like uh, Reaction Engines working with one of our facilities, uh, the Neutron's Palation Source, to create new carbon neutral fuel for transport systems. So it's really, there are a variety also of examples also in the life sciences sector, organizations like SciHealth, a startup that uses satellite data to actually monitor the exposure to the sun and the damage this could cause, but also applying new medications using the same technology. So instead of having to go into the hospital, you can actually apply certain medications in your own home. So there are lots of different applications, but this is basically across disciplines. And that's what happens in yeah, Harvard. It, it, I think if we attend our business development leasing meeting, because some people in the real estate sector say to me, yeah, but you know, is demand not dropping? VC activity might have slipped in the, yeah, we hear in that the a lot. sector. Yeah, you hear that a lot. But it misunderstands so the fundamental drivers. Yeah, you know, the headline that JLL came out with the other day is science doesn't stop. Innovation continues to advance. It's a mega trend. Science isn't going to stop. And but I think of our leasing meeting, you go through the lineup of organizations, it's as healthy as it was six months ago. Yeah. It's at a record level 
compared to like three or four years ago. Um, mm. The bulk of the interest comes from life science companies, followed by space and then energy tech. But there's lots of activity, which is important. And you see that because of supply, demand imbalance and low vacancy, rents continue to move up. So when we bought into Harwell, the blended average rent was £17 a foot. And we're now doing deals about £50 a foot. Mm. But I think the, the growth is really pushed by that cross-disciplinary interaction. It is really incredible how companies actually, a third of our companies actually work across more than one cluster mm. at any one time. And then that's because, so, uh, I'm guessing, forgive me if I'm off the mark, but if we want to get to Mars and set up a base on the moon, we're going to need some nuclear energy in a relatively transferable sized yeah, well, it's a, all about the cyclic economy and how you do certain things in a very innovative way. And those are it's things also that, about that life support systems, it's life sciences, it's exactly. everything. But those, it. but those are pretty profound things for our economies and our societies because if we can make circular economies work and that sort of technology, I mean, we don't need to get into the specifics of, no, a lot of, of, the of how they manage water systems on the moon, but some of these things, when we're talking about water retention in cities mm -hmm. and managing droughts, mm -hmm. this technology is going to be absolutely critical, isn't it? It's absolutely critical. So, and there are lots of applications already, but we probably have to, you know, do the economy of scale of these applications and make sure that yeah. they are actually brought down. But your down. point, Barbara, is that, actually the network effect of people there is critical because in order to attract talent they've got to be able to see a depth of demand so it means even if they leave one job they can probably walk next day well, into that's another. one of the big things the big yeah. offers of our clusters because you can walk into one job and then uh, you know after they uh, walk into another job equally exciting mm. and actually that transfer of knowledge is very very useful also to establish new collaborations across different yeah. companies and sectors so does this Stuart, does this create a moat around what you're doing to use some tech parlance? Forgive me to anyone listening that's offended by such speak. <laughs> we did talk about these podcasts being fireside chats, but that's mm -hmm. another, another yeah. one of these tech phrases that makes me cringe, I'm afraid, listeners. But my point, speaking seriously for a second, Stuart, is that what yeah. Barbara's describing, this network effect of talent and innovation being in one place, it makes it much harder then for other people to set up smaller satellite operations perhaps don't have all that and that's yeah, presumably yeah. a deliberate part of the strategy there is definitely a barrier to entry you know a lot of investors want to get into the sector we have to take calls all the time but it's hard it's hard to find sites and harwell's been around for 70 years it's not new so i think your point is bang on if you were just to go and buy some fields outside a city with a good academic institution it's going to be hard work to build the infrastructure we've got at Harwell. It'll take 10, 20, 30 years to do it properly. So we're quite privileged at Harwell, yeah. And but that begs the question, sorry, Bob, I'll come back to you in two seconds, but just the question I just wanted to tack on to the end of Stuart's point, and the question that everyone's going to be asking is where next? Because many people, and this is something we were discussing with JLL's Chris Waters on PropCast a few months ago. He came on with Glenn Crocker, who you probably yep. know as well. Know Glenn, yep. uh, an advisor to JLL and, and the director of Pioneer Group. And Glenn was one of the founders of Biocity, one of the first original investors in this space in the UK some decades ago. And, and part of that conversation was around particular locations that might work for innovation and science because if you read the press you looked at the media and, and you listened to a lot of things that people are saying you would think that life begins and ends in the cambridge oxford arc 
Yeah, well, we would disagree with that. Obviously, it's I think 80, 90% of the VC activity in the science and innovation sector is in the Golden Triangle. So we need to acknowledge that. But there's plenty of interesting science and innovation work going on in other parts of the country. So we are, as an investor, we're definitely looking at other key conurbations, uh, Glasgow, Manchester, Edinburgh, other places. So we think this travels. If you look at the US model, it definitely travels. It's not just Boston, San Diego. There's life science and innovation clusters in other key cities as well. So we want to promote that. And try and make it work so we're working with leading hospitals and universities in some of those cities i mentioned yeah yeah and barbara sorry just to come back to you then from your perspective given that you've studied in york and you're in touch day to day with the public sector with scientists and academics how much better do you think we can get in the uk when it comes to tech transfer which is essentially the commercialization of academic knowledge and research how much better can we get and where should we be going where should Stuart be taking his colleagues at Brookfield and some of his previous colleagues where should they all be heading to well that's a very very interesting question many places it could be heading to but to go back to your question about tech transfer uh, yeah, there are ways that we can improve on that. We're doing much better than we were doing at least a decade ago, I think. And that's because of the new mechanisms that we put in place. Things like that don't happen by chance only. I mean, it happens by chance, but actually you need to enable certain uh, technology transfers. Uh, you need to enable that connectivity of people working mm. together. So there's a proximity point. Just The proximity point, but also connecting places like Howell. We've been talking about Howell, its unique concentration of facilities and knowledge base in there. We can't just use that for the region. That is a national asset. So I think that the advantage of having an investor like Brookfield linked to Howell is also that that knowledge transfer can be facilitated by further investments by Brookfield in other areas of the country. And we can actually keep that connectivity to the science base in Harwell to those other places yeah yeah and I guess where you've got set up like the satellite application catapult mm -hmm. these are obviously things that should be quite easy to monetize on a global scale right yeah but also you mentioned the satellite applications catapult was one of the first organizations we set up on the campus to actually start that commercialization process of space but they are their headquarters is in Harwell but actually they've got centers of excellence across the UK now mm. and that is part of our objective of actually spreading our wings to support the growth of the UK across mm. many areas and actually build on the local strengths that we've got in many places in the UK. Stuart, let me boringly bring it back to real estate for a second. Mm -hmm. Busy talking about science, space, nuclear, and all these really exciting things. But at the core of your business, you're developing quite a lot of kit. Mm -hmm. How are you doing that in the face of some of the headwinds that we're seeing globally at the minute? Obviously, over the last couple of months, and we don't need to be drawn on specifics, but over the last couple of months, the, the yep. situation has changed. But ultimately, there's a huge element of your business, which is, which is development-based, which has a lot of construction at play. So how are you underwriting that? How are you considering the effects of those headwinds? And how are you able to ensure to your potential customers that you're still going to be able to act really swiftly in a year or two's time? Yeah, no, it's a really pertinent point. I'd emphasize a few points. One, we got into the game early. So we bought Harwell and we bought Arlington early in the cycle. So our land basis on both Harwell and the Arlington mm. jewels, the Oxford and Oxbridge, et cetera, 
is attractive. And it means that we can develop to a sensible margin despite construction costs going up and despite debt costs going up. So we're in ahead of the, the rest of the pack. If you look at what does our portfolio look like today, it's about 1.7 million square feet of income-producing assets within our main clusters. But within Harwell and ARC Oxford, we have the ability to develop another 5 million square feet over the next 10 years. So we could create, we don't even need to do another real estate transaction. We don't need to buy another site. I don't, and, think, you, and we, got, we I don't think you're capable of stopping, are you? No, we still are looking. But if you imagine yeah. we never did another deal, and you built that out over the next 10 years, we'd stabilize and we'd have a big business that but would still, be six or seven yeah. million square feet, which would make us bigger than a lot of listed real estate companies in the UK. Absolutely. So that's one comment. The second comment is absolutely construction costs, we think have gone up 20 to 25%, depending on the real estate product you're talking about in the last 12 months. We think that'll soften next year, but it is a massive headache for the whole industry to deal with. And then obviously the debt markets have completely changed the dynamics in the financing market are still in a bit of disarray yeah yeah and um that's causing a lot of problems for smaller organizations the good thing with brookfield we have great kind of connections in the debt markets and they're one of the biggest borrowers in the world so when it comes to arranging financing whilst it's more expensive we mm. can still access the debt but markets. also from what you've said you're taking a very long-term view of this yeah which obviously does change the dynamics and how you structure any debt finance and how you're thinking and i suppose also the costings that you're taking can be spread over a much longer period that's right and we have a base portfolio that's income producing that helps us leverage more so we have a debt facility that finances our existing assets but also provides us a development capability going forward as well so we're not arranging financing on a building by building basis we're doing it on a broader program basis and, and that's quite a unique selling point that can only really be delivered at a platform level yeah it's the power of the platform definitely arc is now well recognized and obviously i, I would definitely say that brookfield within their organization they have a debt team and they've helped our organization you know massively on that front barbara if we're moving back to science if we're thinking about uk science innovation and all the things that that encompasses if we think about that as a platform how do you think we grow that what do we need to do to make the uk and all of the amazing things not just that are happening within harwell and other campuses but how do we expand that how do we keep ahead of the curve what are some of the things that you think need to be done to underpin the growth of clusters I think it's what we mentioned before. I think it's at the heart of this is how do we actually work across sectors? So we've got so yeah. many, you know, new technologies, for example, quantum alongside space technologies, well, alongside what does that life just, sciences. Again, for anyone listening that doesn't quite know what quantum means, in, in the context of your own experience and your PhD and some of the customers, the occupiers that you have at Harwell, what does it actually mean? What are those guys doing day to day? Okay, that's the most difficult question you can ask. Give me. us quantum the Quantum computing, pitch, even quantum. experts probably struggle to explain that but in it's, simple it's words. It's actually really complex it, it's a, it's a Yeah, very complex maths to the extreme, but it, in reality it's really having uh, processing capabilities uh, exponentially higher than what you've got with uh, standard computers now. So if you do that, then uh, the type of applications that the amount of data that you can process is much, much higher 
and the processes are much, much quicker. So you can do financing, you can do all sorts of transactions in a much, much quicker mm. way. And that and requires that is, lots of heavy-duty, heavy-lifting equipment, lots of energy. Well, lots of energy, quantum computing itself. We can talk about quantum computing, quantum technologies. What we're doing in Howell is to really develop the next generation of quantum computing. But that will require quite a lot of energy and, you know, all sorts of new technologies that are mm. going to be in a 10-year timescale. So this is a great thing at Harwell. Is it's a bit like a shopping centre. We have these national laboratories that are built there by the government. And then they act as kind of almost anchor tenants, as we talked about mm. earlier. So we're building the National Quantum Computing Centre at Harwell. It's under construction, opens next year. And that is kind of like a magnet for other organizations in that sector because a lot of them want to be there so they can collaborate with the, so, with the quantum experts. So yeah. quantum computing is going to be a really important next development for the world as a whole. But no one country alone can actually do that. So it is important to work with centers like Howell to actually have those international mm. connections. But it's not, I mean, is it a bit, I mean, because people joke about some of these technologies and they fusion, famously, everyone always says that it's always 50 years away. Mm. Um, well... It, it, <laughs> Maybe I, I mean that's what tell me. No, quantum is not. It's, no. it's already exists, and organ, big no, no. organizations, yeah. IBM's of the world, are very much. Google's are very much engaged. Yeah. It's the supercomputers of the future. It has a massive implication for the finance sector. Supercomputers will be able to decode encryptions, mm. and particularly for uh, life sciences. I mean, this is for, for life sciences yep. and, and well, defense. life sciences as well. Defense, every, every, defense, sector, yeah. every, every sector, every sector, defense, yeah. obviously, especially for the encryption. Yeah, because obviously, if we don't develop those technologies, then we're going to struggle yeah. in the future because there will be others that can decrypt what we are sending. But what what needs to go standard. in? What needs to happen to help these solutions? I mean, uh, does this require? big pieces of real estate that you're having to fund for people? What Just talk no, us through. So, so step one is the building of the National Quantum Computer Centre. And that is the government funded and it's happening. We're not building it, they're building it themselves. We're lucky to have that on our campus. Step two is obvious because that's happening. Our business development team with Barbers are going, right, we need to talk to the quantum computing ecosystem and make sure they're mm. aware of what we've got at Harwell. So we're out there in California, in London, et cetera, yeah attracting mm. organizations to come to harm because of this recent story. Yeah, it's not just about the development of the technologies, but it's also about the use of this technology in the future. Mm. So it means you're going to want to have some of the big tech firms around. You're going to want to have some of these medical technology businesses, the people that could be able to make money from it. Yeah, yeah. the people yeah. that can use that. So we need to understand what they need in order to develop that next generation. I think the clever thing that I've witnessed at Harwell is that the sales process is often not too aggressive. It's a gentle, subtle way of business development where we are in the quantum computing, for example, during COVID, we organized wine and cheese virtual events with the quantum computing. We'd have like 20 people from different companies mm -hmm. around the world just chatting about the quantum. And yeah. that leads to connections. It leads to interest. It leads to Harwell being more recognized. And then ultimately it's going to lead to, you know, we're, we're now engaged in quite interesting conversations with some major organizations in the quantum space who are probably Absolutely. going to come to Harwell as a result of it. Yeah. So you yeah. sow the seed, and then a few years later, you kind of do the harvesting. Yeah. But every sector is going to be affected by it. Mm. So, I mean, just to bring things to a close, what do you see the next few years looking like, Stuart? We've talked about some of the headwinds. We've talked about some of the pressures. And equally, we've recognized the fact that science isn't stopping. 
and that demand both in the world of science and in physical real estate is only set to grow within certain parameters mm -hmm. of course so where can we expect growth to occur and for those looking to enter this market what are some of the pitfalls that they need to be wary of? Okay, if I was to guess what the next two years look like, I think doing new acquisitions is going to be hard. Land prices are quite high. I think they'll soften, but it's just hard to underwrite new acquisitions across all real estate sectors, but also in our sector, number one. Number two, I think in our business, we're going to continue to push cash flows. We're building buildings and the leasing interest is strong, so we'll continue to push the leasing story. And we'll push on with speculative development if the market remains healthy. And we hope that we can expand into Europe. You know, whilst it'll be hard to make the economics work, we're scouring the European landscape to see if we can invest in the key clusters in that market as well. Mm. So mm. I think consolidation of our business, we think we're the second largest after Bruntwood in terms of square footage. And we want to really establish that presence mm. in the sector. But I think what's really exciting about Art Group is the sheer breadth of science and innovation disciplines that you have yeah. within the mm -hmm. platform a lot of people including some of those that i advise are pretty life science focused although life sciences itself is quite a broad church yeah the church that you have is many times we, broader. we were intent yeah i think when we set it up we were quite clear at the beginning we wanted to appeal to a broader cohort of occupiers mm. not just life science life science is a strong sector but the neat thing about mm. our platform is that we can talk to all sorts of organizations in the mm. science innovation space so from a risk management perspective, day one, I think that got us comfortable. I think second thing, when we look to the US, obviously these clusters are successful. It's a big business over there. And we didn't think we were taking too much risk as we entered the sector here. And there was a lack of competition, a lack of supply as well. So yeah, so I think having a broader occupier base and having a partner like SDFC and UK AEA is really, really attractive for Brookfield. Mm. I think with uh, the next opportunity is also how do we actually support the growth of companies that we are generating here in the UK and retaining them here. And this type of initiatives and investments like ARC are actually going to support that mm. enormously. I, I, think, I think one thing we should help promote though is venture capital mm. activity. We brought David Round, who founded Wired, onto our advisory board. He's very plugged into the VC world, but we want to try and play an active part in promoting that. We hosted the Oxford Venture Fest last year at Harwell, but we want to push it even further. We In Oxfordshire, we have the Oxford Science Enterprise organization. Yeah. They, yeah. they fund a lot of startups. So that's that OSE, formerly known as OSI. That's right. So yeah. they're great, but we would advocate that a healthy ecosystem should have more venture capital active venture capital organizations mm. they're there but they're not as active as we think they might be in say in silicon valley etc so it's our job collective job to yeah. really promote it, that. it's our job i think centers like howell can be a real platform for that type of activity and doing it in a more structured way yeah and what are some of the innovations that you're most looking forward to witnessing over the next couple of years are you foreseeing that we're going to see some major steps forward when it comes to areas like energy, areas like space? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you hit the one in energy, obviously it's so important to all of us, mm. but that is a system challenge, let's say. So all sorts of technology will need to feed into that solution. And that's exactly what we're doing in how we're looking at energy storage solutions, uh, low carbon fuels, new nuclear, you name it. We are doing projects in all of these areas. And then what is going to be really powerful is how you bring all of these solutions together into something which is really going to make a difference. 
to our energy challenge globally. Yeah, we're looking to build a 400-acre PV farm near Howarwell as well. It's not right next to it, but it's about mm. four miles away. So it's solar panels. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we're, again, that will feed into Howell, but we'll also residual power we can sell off to the market yeah. as well. So we're working with Brookfield Renewables in that regard. And, so, yeah. and along that, we're doing a green ammonia demonstrator, which will feed from renewables. So it's all linked together, you know, mm. and there's also the system, how you manage that at system level. Yeah. The neat thing, you know, if you think of the, you know, there's a lot of your listeners are real estate people, but the thing I like about what we're doing is, the organizations that occupy our buildings are making a difference. They're trying to solve the world's problems. Sounds a bit cheesy, but they are. They're in the industries of the future and they're trying to help the planet. And, and talking about the industries of the future, you know, how do you link energy to space? For example, we're looking at solar power from space and that's what happens in Howard. So we're looking at solutions on the ground, but at the same time, we're looking at longer term solutions from space as well that eventually will be integrated in the big picture. Mm. Well, it's some fascinating stuff and an absolute pleasure to have you both on and very much looking forward to getting back up to Harwell in the coming weeks and to hearing much more about your plans with the Arlington portfolio and other things you're looking to progress with. So thank you so much, Dr. Barbara Ginelli and Stuart Grant for coming on to BossCast today. Fantastic to hear about Art Group and you can obviously continue to subscribe to PropCast. Just search PropCast on Spotify, Amazon, Apple, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts from. We'll obviously be coming back again and again and again to science innovation and there'll be much more to hear no doubt from our group from brookfield and from colleagues right across the sector so thanks very much for listening thanks again to our guests and we'll see you again soon bye-bye